when the market had a major meltdown, the product was designed to move back into cash. So because the stock had dropped so much, they sold a lot of the stock and put it back into cash. And then the mechanism that they designed to then get back in when the market was ready was so restrictive that the ability to make your money back, irrespective of what the market did, became almost impossible. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. And if you're not already a member of our community, please go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to join and receive the following five free benefits. You'll get the risk reduction checklist, my weekly investment research email to help you increase returns, a 25% discount on all ASTOTS Academy courses, instant access to our Facebook community to get to know guests and fellow listeners. And finally, my curated list of the top 10 podcast episodes. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from ASTOTS Academy. And I'm here with featured guest, Andrew Woodward. Andrew, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to go. Let's do it. So I'm going to introduce you to the audience. Andrew Woodward is the founder of The Investor's Way. He's a former chartered accountant, chartered secretary and company director who now teaches people to take control of their money and learn how to invest it without the need for expensive advisors so that they can build a secure financial future. He's on a mission to change the financial lives of a million people and believes everyone deserves to know how to manage their money for better money outcomes. Andrew, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Andrew, and thanks for that introduction. And yeah, look, a million people is an ambitious goal, but I feel that if I can influence even half a million people and give them information to change their financial outcomes. I know they can share that information with other people in their family. And so we get to use the power of compounding in education, not just with our money. So hopefully the more people I can uh, impact with better money management and investing education, the more people they can share it with. And over time we can have an impact on more than a million people. Fantastic. And tell us a little bit about how you're doing that through website, through, you know, your courses or other activities. Let us know like what you're doing in that space. Also, you know, where people could go to if they want to learn more. And I'll have links obviously in the show notes too. Sure. So obviously uh, the the webpage is theinvestorsway.com.au. Everything's within that page. You can go to the product page and have a look at the various products that we have. But our core program is called Investing Bootcamp. And through that program, we teach the basics of investing in property stocks and cash-based investments, or what I call cash-based investments, which is predominantly precious metals and and term deposits and government bonds and things like that. So the the less risky stuff. Mm. And, you know, we've got some entry-level products that just get people started. So we've got a a 21-day money mastery program, which is just an e-book that really starts the demystification process so that uh, people start to understand the jargon. Because I've found over my journey that financial advisors, the banks and product creators have complicated the language 
so that we feel as though we need them to explain it all to us or at least just rely on their knowledge so that we invest with them or with their products. So that entry-level product's about demystifying the jargon and getting people started. And then we build up into money management and eventually investing bootcamp brings it all together, teaches you how to invest and takes you down that path from where you are today to where you want to be whatever that is, you know, for mm. a lot of people, financial freedom means a lot of different things. So I don't try to put too firm a definition on it. I much prefer people do that themselves. But ultimately, it's about getting your investments to fund your lifestyle in whatever way you can. And so we teach people how to do that themselves. And it's all about empowering them to, to have the confidence and the knowledge to invest for themselves. Mm. And I'm looking at the website for the listeners out there. Just go to theinvestorsway.com.au. And I see the investing bootcamp here and seven, or sorry, six modules, each with multiple lessons. Looks pretty interesting. And uh, so we'll have that in the show notes. So, And we're about to do a, a major relaunch of that product. So that currently is version two. We're about to release version three, which brings a whole host of additional material into the program. So over the time, I've done a lot of masterclass trainings and expert interviews with people from various parts of the, the industry. So I'm bringing all of that material into version three of Investing Bootcamp to make it a lot easier for people to implement. So one of the things I've learned through people who've done the course is that they get a lot out of it and they start making their first investments. And I love getting those emails from people saying, you know, I bought my first property or I bought my mm. first stock or, you know, I've, I've bought my second and third properties. You know, they really inspire you to keep going. But one of the things I found for those people who are a little bit more hesitant was that they just needed a bit more handholding and a bit more instructional information. So I'm bringing that information that I used to hold in a membership site, I'm now bringing that into Investing Bootcamp just to make it a more complete picture to help those people that in the past may have done the course and not got as much out of it as I would have liked they got to get it from this additional material. So that's coming out in a couple of weeks as well. So for, for people who are interested, keep your eye out because a major launch of uh, version three of Investing Bootcamp is coming. Exciting. Well, we'll have that all in the show notes. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested, just go to the show notes, click on the link and go to the page. Well, now it's time to share your worst <laughs> investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstance leading up to it and then tell us your story. Yeah, absolutely. So it's an unusual thing, like you said, to be talking about your, your worst investment, but mine's, this will take a little bit of time or background to explain why it became my worst one. But when I first started getting absorbed with financial information and, and getting you know, into this, this market, I did what, like most people do, I went to those overhyped investment workshops or conferences or whatever they were called at the time mm. and spent two and three days in a room with people all getting completely you know, amped up to the nth degree. By the time they walked out of there, they thought they were the best investors in the world and I was one of them. And I learned this strategy that was called the magic moo cow. And it was what I thought was going to be the absolute best investment strategy that you could ever possibly have run into. Moo cow is an M-O-O. -O. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Moo, okay. moo. Yep. 
the way it basically worked, and it's it's a complex one, and, right. and it was for advanced people. But mm. uh, I thought I was advanced after three days. <laughs> basically, you would buy a stock, you'd wait a little bit for it to go up, and then you'd introduce options into the equation, and you would buy a put above the price that you entered the stock, and then every month you'd just write calls. So you'd sell calls and collect the premium, which would after a few months would fund the put and the stock would do whatever it did. And no matter what happened, you were always going to be making money and you'd be making, you know, one or 2% a month from the calls and you'd pay five or 6% for the put. So after the year you've made, you know, 18% maybe off, off the mm. calls net of the put. And if the stock went up, you made a profit. If the stock went down, you're covered by the, the put. It all just looked fantastic. And so I, I did it. You know, I'm the type of guy that when I learn something, I go all in and, and do these things. And I did it for a few months on my own, or actually a, a lot more than a few months on my own. And it was doing okay. There was other months where you weren't getting the percentages that, you know, you, the teacher of this strategy was, was suggesting you're going to get. But all in all, it was still doing pretty good. Mm. And then this is where it turns to the worst side of things. So <laughs> I got an email from the promoter of this or the, the presenter of this course and the guy who owned the, the Magic New Cow strategy saying that for a few select people, he uh, wanted to offer them a product that would do all the hard work for me. And so I thought, well, that sounds like pretty something I want to do, introduce some leverage into this equation, have someone else look after it for me, even though it wasn't necessarily a big time consumer. I just got you know, caught up in the idea of leverage, much more money, much more profit. This was going to be the best thing since sliced bread. So I enter into an arrangement which enabled me to leverage my investment in the Magic Moo Cow strategy into like a hundred thousand dollars which at the time for me i I think i only had to put down like five thousand dollars and i was leveraged to a hundred thousand like crazy numbers wow and unbeknownst to me there because like like i think i said up front and we'll probably come back to this point at the end as we wrap this up but you don't read all the small small print when you're offered a product like this by a guy that you've built some trust with and mm. you're having some success with. You kind of rely on a little bit, you know, whether you should or you shouldn't. That's another another podcast episode. But I relied on on the advice I was getting and made that investment. And as you can imagine things went a little bit pear-shaped and mm. the stock market had a fairly major correction Not you know, a few months after we started getting into it. So for the first few months, everything was fine, no, no dramas at all. It was doing what it was supposed to do. And in fact, it continued to do what it was supposed to. The only problem was that you know, it was a major bank that was providing this product or supporting this product. And when the market had a major meltdown, the product was designed to move the cash sorry to move back into cash Mm. so because the stock had dropped so much they sold a lot of the stock and put it back into cash and then the mechanism that they designed to then get back in when the market was ready was so restrictive that the ability to make your money back irrespective of what the market did became almost impossible and so very quickly i started seeing that 
the value of what I'd put in and the value that I'd leveraged to had, had dropped dramatically and was sitting on a lot of cash. And then there was no stock to write calls against. There was no stock to buy puts for. So we're pretty much just sitting in cash while the stock market was growing mm. and going back to where it was supposed to be. So once the negativity from the customers grew to a crescendo, the promoter of the product approached the major bank and negotiated a way for the product rules to be changed to enable people to at least be able to get something back on their investment. And mm. after a few years of negotiating and watching this investment pretty much you know, slowly die, you know, my, I guess my $5,000 investment became something like, I think it was $500 that I got back or something like that. But at the whole time I was paying interest as well. So on a much larger sum of money, mm. it became a very, very tough lesson to learn. And one that, you know, circling back to where I said I'd circle back to was a bit of a catalyst in time for me creating the investor's way. Mm. because the lesson I learned was that you just cannot rely on other people when it comes to investing your money. Now that is a very generalistic statement and I know it offends a lot of financial advisors and bankers and whatever, but I always say to my people that nobody is going to care more about your money than you. And if you care enough about your money to want to secure your financial future, you ought to know how to do it. And that's why I teach people how to do it now. And the magic moo cow, unfortunately, is not one of the strategies that I teach. <laughs> um, because whilst it, it can work, what I yep. did discover is that there are a number of scenarios where it doesn't. And for people who are looking to secure their financial future. It's, it's not on the radar for investment with a risk profile that I would you know, teach to people who are trying to learn to, to secure their financial future because mm. there's just too much risk involved. Yep. And look, I, I also teach people that the more risk you take, the more return that mm. you can potentially earn, but there is a, there is a limit. Yep. Yep. And given that the majority of the people I'm dealing with are trying to learn and a, a, a lot of the time they're first time investors, the magic new cow just doesn't hit the radar as <laughs> something that uh, they should be learning early on like I did. So very, as I said, it very rapidly became you know, the worst investment I ever made, but mm. probably the best lesson I ever got. Yes. And sharing with others really amplifies that lesson. So maybe yeah, you could right. just go through and, and list out, you know, as you look back at that time, with so much clarity, what are the lessons that you learn from this? Well, the very first one, which is such an obvious thing in hindsight, which would have been to understand the product. And this is something that, you know, I learned after the fact when I buried myself in Warren Buffett and everything mm. he's ever had written about him or he's written himself, I've read. Mm. And, you know, the one thing that he said so regularly through that time, the early 2000s, was that he doesn't invest in anything he doesn't understand. And people were, people were harassing him about why he wasn't getting involved in the dot-com era. And he just kept telling people, I just don't understand how these companies are ever going to make any money. And then sure enough, you know, we had the dot-com bust and he looked like a genius. And he, mm. he is a genius in my mind. Um, I'm a very big fanboy of Warren Buffett. And a lot of what I teach is based on a lot of his principles because 
you know, he's got the track record. And so first thing was to understand what you're investing in. And despite me thinking I understood this, this strategy, which I think I still do and did, what I didn't understand was the, the rules that had been introduced by a major bank to protect them and you know, provide some level of security for, you know, I guess, the lowest common denominator, mm. which uh, didn't fit the way that the strategy was supposed to work. So that was the first one and probably the best one. Yep. The other one is to not to introduce leverage right. to an investment that you don't understand or is highly risky. Mm-hmm. I, I got caught up, you know, I got excited by what I was seeing happen in my smaller investments that could be achieved. So I thought, all right, multiply that and I'll get there a lot quicker. And Leverage is a great thing when it's working for you. It's not such a great thing when it's working against you. And so that was the second thing. Mm. And, and I think they really are the, yeah. the two key lessons. Got it. Mm. They're pretty critical ones. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. So maybe I'll summarize what I took away from your story and let me know if you have anything to add to that. One of the things about so many of these investment strategies out there is that they can't always be implemented. So sometimes, you know, people are talking about, let's just say penny stocks. Yeah, you may be able to get in, but you may not be able to get out when it's time to sell. And also, I would highlight the banks. Banks love issuing products because they make money on these types of products. Mm. And sometimes the structures are, you know, very complex. And when, when everything starts to fall apart, the bank can do anything it wants. And as they've done in this case, to wind it down or execute it, you know, and yeah, it's very hard to, to see all the fine print there. And that reminds me of another thing, which is the idea of, you know, before the 2008 crisis, I think it wasn't such a big thing that people would talk about what would happen to this model, this quantitative model, this investment strategy, if the market really crashed. And nowadays, it's a much more common thing to have to answer that question because so many particularly quantitative structured products, derivative products are really built in an up market. And now yeah. having been in an up market, you know, globally, let's say for a while, you know, almost every product's been designed in an up market and an up market product does not always work in a down market, just like a down market product that's outperforming in a down market probably doesn't work in an up market. So there's that cycle. And then the last thing that I would say that it reminded me of is the idea of, I like what you said about, you know, nobody's going to care more about your money than you do. And the other way of looking at this is that imagine that someone listening is 30 years old and they want to retire when they're 60. They means that they need to manage their money for 30 years. You know, it's hard to find a financial advisor that's going to be with you for 30 years and do well Mm. for you. But it's even more than that, actually. You know, you're going to possibly live to be maybe 90. So you really have 60 years to manage your money. And when you put things in that type of decades-long time frame, it's just simply impossible that anybody's going to be able to manage your money you know, throughout your life. You have to be the primary caregiver <laughs> of your yes. money. Yeah. And there's, there's two parts to that as well in that summary you've given there is that with the financial advisors, and one of the things that I say to my people all the time is that they have all the knowledge. And whilst they might be managing your money, whether, it, like you say, whether it's for five years, 30 years, or 60 years, if they 
go away, the knowledge goes with them. Mm. And so you've paid over many years for that knowledge, but you've not benefited from it personally. Like you, your wealth might grow and that you might have a fantastic advisor who can grow your wealth. But as soon as you stop paying, that knowledge goes away. And so what I try to encourage people to do is to invest in themselves and get that knowledge because ultimately there's some pretty simple things you can do mm. to manage your wealth without having to get caught up in right. complex structures and complex products and all that type yep. of stuff. Like, and so the knowledge doesn't have to be overly expensive to get to a position where you can manage your money yourself for that 60-year period for a 30-year-old or whatever the number of years might be that you have ahead of you. And it doesn't have to be overly expensive. Yeah, and I think, I think the, the products that are being marketed out there tend to be complex. They're complex for a reason because more money is made from them and all of that. But the yeah. point is, is that many beginners just see those products first and then they see the complexity there. They either follow it or else they, they get scared. Like, oh my God, the investing is too complex, but really it's mm. not that complex. Yeah. And that was part of the reason why this particular investment of mine that I talked about failed was that the promoter of the course that I went to who worked with the bank to create the product, they just got too, they tried to be too smart. They mm. tried to predict every scenario without necessarily you know, working through how they were going to work. And they tried to build in so much risk management and protection that in the end, the device that they created was so restrictive when the you know the worst event happened that the, the investment couldn't return from there mm. and so they again they overcomplicated everything like you alluded to before like products just became so complicated that people tend to stay out of the market because they just get overwhelmed and so i see my role at the investor's way to to remove that complication and that overwhelm so that people are confident to enter the markets and mm -hmm. even the name, the investor's yep. way, I, you know, the inspiration for the name came from a book called the artist's way, which is about performance people and getting writer's block. Mm. So I, I read this book off the back of a, a advice from somebody who I was learning from about trading and it was about journaling and you know, just getting into the habit of journaling. And if you're getting stuck, you could have a look at this book called The, the Artist's Way, which would mm. teach you how to overcome writer's block. And so th that was the inspiration behind the name The Investor's Way, which is overcoming that hurdle of your first investment. And I guess that overwhelm of feeling like you can't do it and showing people how it, it's possible. And like I said, mm. it doesn't have to be overly complicated. Yep. So I'm going to answer the next question for you, and then I'm going to ask you to answer it in a different way. So okay. the next question is based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? And I'm going to answer it for you by saying, my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, go to theinvestorsway.com.au and you know, go and learn about what's out there. There's a free download and, and then there's the yeah. course. So obviously, yeah. you know, you've taken a lot into that from what you learn, but I just mm. want you now to put a, yourself in the shoes of a young person that's looking for a way to invest and they have a little bit of money and they're trying to figure out, they got so many different things coming at them. You know, mm. what advice would you give them to help them avoid suffering the same fate? Well, I guess my first advice is to, to read some books. And like I said, I, um, 
you know, I buried myself in Warren Buffett and I think there's a number of books that he's written that are a great place to start. And if you're not a stock person and you don't have to be, if, you, you, if, if you're more attracted to property, then find a book about you know, property or real estate, depending on mm. which country you come from as to what they call it and learn just from a book about the basics. And then my biggest advice I ever give anybody is just start. Warren Buffett has a quote, and I know, like I said earlier, so I'm a fanboy, so I'm going to use his name a lot. Mm. But here's a quote that the best best time to, which is, I don't think it's his, but it's the yeah. best time to plant a tree was 50 years ago. The next best time is today. Mm. And it's the same with investing. You know, yep. Sure, we could have invested, started 10 years ago, five years ago, 12 months ago when the market was doing X, Y, or Z. But you didn't. So the next best time is right now. Do it today. So do a little bit of learning and then just start. Get, you know, start small and uh, you'll learn by doing. Mm, great. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Well, my number one goal for the next 12 months is to get this uh, version three launched and into the hands of as many people as possible. Mm. And really you know, coming out of a, a, a pandemic, a lot of people I believe and the people that I'm talking to have had this realization that maybe their money wasn't in a state that it should have been or could have been that would have helped them manage this process or this time a little better. So I think it's a really opportune time for people to think about where their money needs to be mm-hmm. and, and start taking some action. And yeah, the boot camp's a great way. You get access to, to me and everything that I have produced. I throw everything in there so that you make sure or I make sure that I give you the best of me and I give you the tools to enable you to to start because at the end of the day, you just have to start. Mm, Okay. So listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listener, reduce risk and increase return in your life. To achieve this, I've created our community where you gain the five free benefits I mentioned earlier. Just go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to join us. As we conclude, Andrew, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I just want to say thank you very much for having me and allowing me to express and get off my chest my worst investment ever. Not something I do often. And I hope that the listeners have learned something from my mistakes so that they don't make the same ones. Maybe I should change the ending and say you are hereby officially released from your worst investment ever. That's right. Yes. Kind of like a confessional. That's right. That's right. Well, that's... That's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.